You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Alan Chews is the book critic for NPR's All Things Considered. His latest novel is To Catch the Lightning. His latest book is a collection of essays called A Trance After Breakfast. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Great pleasure, Ray. We're here to talk about and remember our, one of my favorite authors over the past, God, let's see here. Oh, I can't, I'm not even going to admit how many years I've been reading Michael well, Crichton. Well, he started writing in 1969, and it's 2009. Uh, that's 40 years. Yep. <laughs> and that about adds up with uh, how how uh, when I first uh, checked out one of his books from the Covina Library back in back in the day, I rem- I rem- very vividly remember the day that uh, I checked out uh, the Andromeda Strain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he um, you know he he started actually he wrote a couple of mysteries before that, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think well maybe they came out in sixty. Seven or sixty-eight. Uh, he was in medical school, and uh, he was very bored because he had a perfect memory, and so uh, you know he didn't need to have all that time to study. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a real genius, real genius. It's a huge guy, six foot seven and a half, maybe. Grew up in Long Island. His father was an advertising uh, salesman and writer. Um, and he, uh, you know, obviously loved writing. And when he was, so when he was in medical school, which was going to be his career, he got so bored that he wrote a mystery and um, sold it as a TV movie. Except he didn't take any money for it. Really? Yeah. He made the deal was he would give them the novel if they trained him as a director. So he shadowed the director and learned to direct. With, uh, that was the proceeds of his first novel, and which he put to very good advantage uh, about five years later, six years later, because he directed his own book, The Great Train Robbery. And um, you can see also just the influence of <coughs> directing a, a, a TV movie, in a mm-hmm. sense, on, on his work. I mean, right. the kind of economy and, and the way you know he was able to... Um, pull you in and mm-hmm. keep you right there. It's, yep. it's very much uh, like camera work, in a sense. Well, it, yes, and it also made him gazillions of dollars because of you know, he wrote ER, and he knew exactly how to do it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of his directorial experience. And um, he also, and this, I don't know how widely known this is, but uh, he told me once that he made a lot of money very early on um, with computers. By he, he created, he wrote a software program for uh, making up movie budgets. Really? Yeah. So, and this, I guess, he patented it, and and I don't know if they still do, but he said, you know, for years and years and years, movie companies use this software to make up their budgets. You know, okay, we're going to film in Greece as opposed to uh, Israel or Bulgaria, and uh, you know, this is how much it's going to cost to use the army 
Uh, well, fascinating. <laughs> uh, so you could do comparative uh, sheets and and um, what guess, if scenarios and, yeah. and and to figure out what's your best budget bet. Exactly. Wow, that's incredible. So he and he also <laughs> he also made a I think he did a computer game out of Congo, his novel Congo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe one or two other computer games. So I mean, this guy was a very restless mind. You know, he, he, he I think the word his, is polymath, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he got his medical education, but mm-hmm. never practiced. He he went, he got a fellowship to the Salk Institute after he finished medical school and did that year, and then he just, uh, you know, went off and started writing and doing all this other work with computers and movies. So, um, but he, you know, he, he could have been a, 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 an extraordinary doctor. Instead, he cured our restless uh, fidgeting by giving us some of the best thrillers of the last couple of decades. Yeah, and and I think it's really interesting. I was thinking about this, that his ability to use the the tropes of genre without ever writing genre fiction. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, The Andromeda Strain is, by any description, a science fiction novel, yet it doesn't read like one. The reading experience isn't like that. Mm -hmm. And he really did create, I think, a a genre unto himself. Yeah, and and, I mean, he has... He was very idiosyncratic within, mm-hmm. you know, the form of uh, entertainment, entertaining fiction. I mean, for example, Eaters of the Dead, for example. Oh, yeah, one of my more favorite books. I mean, that's an absolutely brilliant novel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He goes to, you know, 13th century uh, Arab travel accounts and the Beowulf epic and uh, puts that together to make uh, what is really a one-of-a-kind thriller. Um, and you really see how good it is when you see how bad the movie is. <laughs> and Beowulf movie uh, made from his book. Uh, I mean, the, the best parts are the uh, are the uh, Arab uh, ambassador mm-hmm. played by help me the Spanish actor um, uh, Banderas Antonio yeah. Banderas Antonio Banderas yes you know on his horse mm-hmm. and then he goes north to represent his country in Europe and meets up with the Norsemen. So, go Norse, young man. <laughs> uh, wonderful novel. I don't know how many people know it, but mm. it's terrific. And then he writes a couple of odd um, books, not great books, not really greatly entertained. Congo. And now, a book I remember coming out right after the Andromeda strain, and I really liked, was a book called Binary. Yeah. Uh, written under the pseudonym John Lang, I believe. <clears throat> and it's a fairly simple, straightforward thriller about uh, a bomb plot that involves a binary kind of bomb with two ingredients. That... No, I don't know that one. Oh, it's 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 quite wonderful. It's, it's, a, it's um, again, I guess one of his lesser-known books, but it came oh. out right after Andromeda Strain. And... Well, it, it's not listed on his uh, really? official uh, webpage. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, there are a couple of movies. I mean, actually, they throw on a couple of movies that he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Westworld. Boy, now there's that was a real that was uh, another I think uh, uh, groundbreaking movie in many yeah. ways. And, and then he wrote um, he wrote the movie and directed the movie from Robin Cook's coma. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he wrote Sphere, and he did a collection of travel essays. He also did an, uh, 
he also wrote and directed a movie called Runaway with Tom Selleck. Oh, yes, uh, the robot movie. Yeah. yeah. With, I believe, Gene Simmons as well. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I kid you not. Gene Simmons was the bad guy, and I believe, if I recall part of the plot... You're right. You're right. Gene Simmons as Charles Luther. A... Yes. He, he, was, uh, he had uh, invented uh, bullets that would follow you anywhere you would go. Uh-huh. Kind so of like was, the eyes on Michelangelo. <laughs> and it's after... That, I guess, well, he published Sphere, and he published his travel essays, and then he really begins to hit his stride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, at a point where anybody else should probably finish their career, right? He's just warming up, mm-hmm. and he publishes Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm, that's the... His... Which, uh, that was it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, his... Had you liked to have been the blood pressure cuff on his accountant's <laughs> sleeve when that came out? Um, and then he wrote a controversial novel called Rising Sun. A wonderful novel. About the Japanese takeover of American business, right? Yeah, it's a kind of a, an economic uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Yes, <laughs> and everybody accused him of anti-Japanese uh, sentiments. Well, I think that's an interesting novel, and that points out, I think, one of the themes that you can find almost throughout his work, if there is much commonality from a guy who was clearly all over the map, was that he was interested, I think, in many ways in writing horror fiction, absolutely nothing like any kind of horror fiction had ever come before, but hmm. he knew how to put the scare in you. It's an interesting way to look at it. <clears throat> I mean, the way I, I see it is he's, he's got this restless mind, and he mm-hmm. goes from interesting topic to interesting topic and does vast amount of research and produces as intelligent a novel on the subject as anyone in the field could do. And, and he, but, but combine that with what you just said, and he's really strange and wonderful. <laughs> well, one thing about uh, Crichton I think that's very interesting is uh, we all know that all reader, writers love to research. And, right. and, you know, some writers get lost in it, and sometimes you'll read a novel that just reads like just dissertation, but I think one of Crichton's true, true talents mm-hmm. was for his ability to do research and bring a bunch of inf- interesting information to his books and present it in a way that's very interesting, that he you don't just have what in science fiction you call an info dump, yep. you know, or the right. as-you-know-Bob part. Right. Um, yeah, it's info drama. Right, right. He, he makes that, takes that information and makes it dramatic, and he knows how to put in just enough to keep you really riveted by it, yeah. so that's the thing you're going to talk about. About the next day, I just read this great part about this. Yeah, like so. The, the next novel after Rising Sun is a book about uh, sexual harassment. Mm. It's called Disclosure, and he 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 uh, made a few feminists angry because it's the the woman who is the aggressor in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And an early novel too about the perils of email. I mean, I, again, uh, a guy who's really well ahead of his time socially, not just technologically, but socially. I don't know. I mean, and he wrote this book in 83 called Electronic Life, How to Think About Computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he brings that up there. And meanwhile, right, he's, he's starting to write the, the, the pilot for ER. Mm-hmm. Right? That opens in 1984, and it goes for a long while, I think 15 years. Well... Wait, how long is, is ER still on? I thought it's still on. No, it closed. It closed. It closed. So yeah, it closed this year, I believe. Mm, mm, so it so went from ninety four to two thousand nine. Jeez, that's a. And that's, he so he gets that going, mm-hmm. right? And there, I mean, that's a money machine. Mm. 
I mean, as if Jurassic Park wasn't a license to print money. Right, right. Well, and and this time he so he, he's got by this time he's got I think he's had three wives, um, only one child mm-hmm. out of all these marriages, and he is building he he collects classic sports cars. Really? And yes. And Does he rebuild them himself? No, buys them. Okay. He's got a sports car museum by this time. And he is collecting a, an incredible uh, collection of American art. That's really? where he's putting all his money. Hmm. Because he, he, you know, he had discretionary spending in the tens of millions. That's kind of mind-boggling. Yep. <laughs> and, and then he comes out, after ER gets set in motion, he comes out with The, with the Lost World, a sequel to Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And then Twister. Mm-hmm. Right, which he uh, he writes. Uh, he didn't direct it, but he wrote it. Um, and that's and another novel. Uh, that's another movie. That, that's a movie, other, right? That 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 uh, sets a, a new uh, technological level of expertise in terms of the the digital special effects. Mm-hmm. That's one of the early mm-hmm. uh, one of the early big digital special effects yep. movies. And, and again, yeah, a, a, a guy who's able to figure out how to use technology technology effectively to, mm-hmm. to, to, mm-hmm. to knock you upside the head. Yep. And then comes Airframe, his aeronautical thriller, Will This Plane Fly or Break Apart? <laughs> and then his time travel novel in 1999, Timeline, mm-hmm. where these, these time-traveling scientists go back to medieval France, mm-hmm. which I thought was a terrific book. Yeah, very interesting uh, uh, use. Again, uh, I... Taking a, a premise that, that would otherwise be science fiction and turning it into something that's not science fiction, mm-hmm. but is very exciting, a combination of historical fiction and current mm-hmm. day thriller, mm-hmm. which is a really, I think one of his really great talents is to uh, go into some very exotic places and write, write about some very unusual subjects and, and yet bring them right up in your face for yep. those of us 20th century, you know, mouth-breathing Americans. Which he does in the next couple of novels. Prey, which is about nanotechnology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, be, be afraid, be tinily afraid. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, with the, the, these nano machines gone amok uh, chasing these scientists who are trying to uh, control them. Uh, this company, this company, in a sort of greedy company, makes a mistake in their experiments, and these things are on the loose. It's the Eric Drexler gray goo hypothesis brought to dramatic life. <laughs> <laughs> and then he publishes Prey. Uh, excuse me, not Prey. That, that's the nano book, mm-hmm. nanotech book. Next, uh, in two thousand six, um, which is, uh, I, I think, it should be. Be called almost because it's about genetic mm-hmm. research and genetic uh, invention, gen- genetic technology, where he really produces um, some interesting creatures. A, the main, the, one of the main characters is a human Z, half ape, half human, mm-hmm. that uh, belongs to the DNA of one of the experimenters, uh, and it's got interesting. It's got a huge bibliography in that one, mm-hmm. so he, he puts his research out there. But I, I, I did not mention the book that came out between Prey and Next, which is State of Fear. State of Fear, yes. Uh, which takes uh, uh, you know a neg- an anti stance against the global warming uh, scientists. Contrarian, 
Yep. I, and, you know, in that book... That's the word I wanted. Thank you. The thing I liked most about that book was the contrarian science. I thought that just mm-hmm. really kept me going. The mm-hmm. plot was really good, too, uh, mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Although, God, I, I there was there were some pneumatic bimbos in there that... Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he wrote that one very quickly. That, I mean, of all mm-hmm. the novels, I think that, that, that's the one he wrote. It, it, you know, it seems a little floppy. Mm. Um, but um, it you know, got him to testify in front of Congress. <laughs> yeah. uh, interesting uh, use, uh, uh, again, uh, of technology in, in taking that from, you know, his own speculations, as you noted, straight to Congress, yeah. which is uh, not many writers, not many people get to do that. Yeah. yeah. And he also got involved with Next. He got involved with this controversy about uh, patients having, you know, do patients have any rights over their own donated tissue, you know, if they donate tissue for research, uh, do they own their own genome? And at the moment, I, think, I don't know what's going on at the moment, but when he was writing that essay only a couple of years ago, the answer was no. Mm. <laughs> right. And that's, um, that's pretty scary, to tell the truth. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, if, if people want to follow this, there's, he's written an essay on this. It's on his website. There's also his Senate testimony and the global warming controversy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, then he, he got sick, I guess, 2007, 2008. He was diagnosed with, I guess, aggressive uh, prostate cancer. Mm. And so, as only a doctor can know, he knew that he had, you know, there was no way out. Mm. But he finished... Uh, the last novel he completed on his own was this new book, Pirate Latitudes, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I, I found, really wonderfully entertaining. It harkens back to the great train robbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, yeah, there's a big there's a big heist in it of mm-hmm. these English pirates uh, out of the Caribbean port of uh, Port Royal. Here, there's a ship filled with New World treasure in this Spanish port. From which nobody has ever returned, who's attempted to borrow, right. <laughs> has ever returned alive, of course. Right. So they break, the, the, these pirates uh, break into the, the, the uh, fortress and get rid of the Spanish soldiers who are guarding it and, and take this ship. But that's, that's only the middle of the novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, then the Navy chases them, and there's a gun battle at sea, there's a hurricane. There's a Kraken. I'm a big fan of Kraken. That's right. So. <laughs> big, big battle with a giant squid. They're cannibals at the end. I mean, it's almost as if he threw in, he knew he wasn't going to write another book, just threw in everything, all the adventure stuff he could think of. And, and, and there's a rumor mm-hmm. that, well, maybe not even, maybe a little more than a rumor, that he he had a, an unfin- a novel unfinished in his, uh, in his desktop. Mm-hmm. And my guess is that uh, uh, HarperCollins will probably try to get somebody to finish it. Mm. Kind of like the way Arthur Clarke had helped finishing his last couple of books while he's still alive. Right, and uh, there's uh, Robert Jordan's the famous fantasy writer. His his series is he was on the penultimate book, and mm-hmm. it's being mm-hmm. done by a couple by a guy named Brian Sanderson. Yeah, uh, I mean, there is, so there are other there, there's precedent for this. You know, James mm-hmm. Jones died before he could finish 
Whistle, which is the third book in his uh, Pacific Pacific Theater trilogy. Mm. Um, and uh, his friend Willie Morris finished it for him, based on notes. So there's probably going to be one more Crichton, but mm-hmm. my God, all these wonderful books are still around for people to reread. Or re- my, if you haven't read these books mm. for the first time, it's going to be a great holiday season for you. Yeah, and actually you have binary to look forward to. Yeah, that's <laughs> look, true. Look it up. It's 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 worth your time. It's a it's it's a a, a smaller book than his usual books if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. but it's 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 really a, a gripping, you know, inner city uh, American city and come to think of it kind of a American city with a terrorist bomb planted huh. in a building. I will take a look at it right away. <laughs> Well, Alan, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, as always. I've been speaking with Alan Chews. He's the critic for NPR's All Things Considered. His newest novel is To Catch the Lightning. His newest book, a collection of travel essays, is A Trance After Breakfast. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Great pleasure, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.